Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Axel Ragnarsson. Thanks for being on the show, Axel. Absolutely. I really appreciate the invite. Looking forward to our conversation. Yes, I am as well. You have a very impressive bio, and I'm very interested to hear more about your story. I know the listeners are going to learn a lot from you and hopefully be motivated and encouraged as well just by what you've accomplished. But a little about Axel. He built a $4 million portfolio by 25 using other people's money. He's the host of the Multifamily Wealth Podcast and founder of his real estate investment firm, Brickleaf Properties. So Axel, you know, give us a little more about, you know, I want to hear more about your background and, you know, how do you get into real estate that quick and be that successful that early, right? I mean, just being that young and there's all kinds of issues there we, that people have when they're younger in the business. I experienced some of that, you know, initially as well, but would love to hear more about your story and, and just this path to success that you've had. Absolutely. No, I mean, I appreciate the kind words and I'll try and keep it short and quick. But back when I was in high school and early college, I would buy and sell cars. <laughs> so that was a little business I'd run on the side. And got to the point where I was in college and I was thinking about, you know, what's bigger than this? What can I, you know, buy and sell that's, you know, more money and has more upside than maybe cars do. So I started just Googling things. You know, I, I watched HGTV. So I saw the house flipping shows and, you know, I thought, hey, maybe real estate's an interesting business to get into. So I got into real estate through the lens of I want to flip houses. And then as I started doing more and more research into real estate itself and, and specifically real estate investing, I found rental real estate investing. And I said, that's probably a better model. You know, you do the work once and get paid in perpetuity. That sounds like a pretty good deal. So I started learning a lot about multifamily real estate specifically and how to actually buy it, especially when you have, you know, little cash in the bank or just less cash in the bank than what you'd think you'd need, which is where I was at. And this was in my early twenties. And then through, you know, probably after around 18 months of just pure research and networking, I found a small multifamily on Craigslist I'm a three unit multi. How long were you searching? Probably 18 months or so, okay. a year and a half, a good, you know, maybe even more than that. Just listening to podcasts and reading articles, doing everything I could to learn the business. And an opportunity presented itself. I financed it with a private lender that I had met through a college internship. And that was kind of the start of my real estate career, I guess. And since then, you know, I've been using what's popularized as the Burr strategy, buying smaller multifamilies to grow the portfolio over the last few years. And now started raising capital from equity investors, primarily in the joint venture structure to actually scale the portfolio, buy some larger buildings and pour some gas on the fire. And that pretty much brings us to today. Awesome. Well, uh, it's an incredible story, but it's neat that you you kind of had that entrepreneurial fire, you know, in high school and buying and selling cars. And, you know, I, I, were you making any money doing that while you were doing it then? I was making some money. I look back, I thought I was making a ton of money at the time. And then you look and then you think, you know, I was doing a lot of work to make five, six, 700 bucks here and there, but I just didn't want to work for someone else. So I was like, you know, what can I do on the side to make some money? And that's what it was. Okay. So you looked for something that had more upside, more money that you could make from turning something over like that, buying and selling and, and in came real estate. And first you thought flipping, which a lot of people do, you know, you think, oh, we'll start there. But then it was 
let's do multifamily so you have more recurring income. But I want to hear a little more about, you know, that relationship or how you got financing. Because I know a lot of people, I mean, they get caught up there, right? They can't get started because they can't get the financing or they can't get to the next step because they don't have any capital of their own to put in. And so a lot of people will quit there. How did you make that happen? Sure. So the quick backstory is I did a college internship for a small angel investment group. There was a group of 10, 15 guys that were investing in startup companies. And it was a great internship. I, you know, obviously great connections were made there. And one of the guys that was in the group also did private money lending. And this is really early when I just started thinking about getting into real estate. So we just had casual conversations, you know, five minutes before, five minutes after the monthly meeting they had where entrepreneurs would come in and pitch. And, you know, my role is I basically take notes for the meeting and then distribute it after and started learning more about, you know, what he did, what private money lending really was. So I just kind of lucked into understanding that piece of the real estate business really early on. And, you know, the biggest challenge that I faced was, you know, despite the fact that I had a relationship with this person, it doesn't mean that they're going to lend on a deal that I find, right? There's, you know, there's a big gap between knowing someone and having them trust you enough to lend you money. So Basically, what I did was I just, you know, kept him apprised of what I was doing for over a year. And I was looking at deals. I was evaluating deals. You know, it wasn't like I was, you know, meddling. I was spending, you know, 20, 30 hours a week on top of everything else I was doing, just learning real estate, you know, underwriting deals, you know, making connections in the industry. And soon there was some common connections that I had with him, trusted, you know, individuals that were, you know, well known in the real estate business in our local market. You know, I was just talking to him about deals all the time. So it got to the point where when I did actually find this deal, this three unit property on Craigslist, and I brought him the numbers and I said, Hey, I'm really confident that this is something that makes sense. And he said, you know what, we've been talking about this for so long, you know, you're ready to, to actually execute on something. So, you know, the takeaway for me is that you have to share what you're doing with folks that could potentially be lenders when you're starting out. You know, the more that people understand that you're spending time in the business and becoming more and more proficient with, you know, real estate as as an actual business, then I think they're going to be more likely to lend you money. So that's what I prioritized early on was just really documenting what I was doing and sharing it with the folks that I might want to work with. Interesting. So you're sharing it. I mean, otherwise people aren't going to know that you're pursuing this, right? They may have an interest as well, and it's never even brought up if you don't talk about it. Exactly. Yeah, no, you have to share. I mean, it's really important, especially when you want to raise money because you need to kind of, you know, passively build that trust, whether you're raising money from, well, in the form of equity and and a syndication or some kind of partnership, or it's a private money lender. I mean, both you're raising money in both situations, they're just paid back in different ways. So it's, you know, you, you have to develop that authority in the space. And it's hard to do that when you start. So you have to be patient and, and put time into it, but make it a, you know, a, a focal point of what you do. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, your lead generation strategy and how you networked and how you, I mean, just how you started growing your brand and, you know, your business, you know, and whether that started, you know, what you were thinking then about lead generation and networking and those things, maybe even compared to now and how you've learned and and grown that way. Absolutely. So when I was starting out, right, I had time. I was a college student. I had time to hustle and, you know, pound the pavement and and, and talk to people and look for deals online and, and underwrite deals. And you know, something that I focused on early on was building some lead channels that weren't the MLS because this is 2016, 2017. And, you know, it was competitive then it's competitive now, you know, you're not going to really find anything that's publicly listed. So in my space, which at the time was, you know, four to 10 unit multifamily properties, they were, they were smaller in size. I really prioritized networking with the owners in the market that owns numerous properties. And I took a really long-term approach to that, just, you know, grabbing coffee every you know, three, four, five months and just checking up on their business, 
letting them know that if they were interested in selling that I was a buyer, doing the same thing with the brokers that typically sold those properties. And then I did some more active and paid marketing and prospecting. So I did direct mail and I actually did a lot of email marketing and marketing might not be the right word, but email prospecting where I'd find the owners of a building, you know, get their email somehow, Google search, skip trace it, you know, find what the contact email was in their LLC, you know, however you can grab it. And I just reach out and start, you know, I wouldn't reach out saying, Hey, I want to buy this place this is what I'm going to offer. You know, I'd, I'd reach out with the goal of trying to build a connection. So I'd reach out and say, Hey, you know, I'm a local investor. I'm interested in buying more in the Manchester market. If you're interested in selling, you know, certainly give me a call. If not, great. I'd love to, you know, to meet and grab coffee and, you know, get to know you since we're both doing the same thing. So took a really low pressure approach, I guess is a good way to, to classify it. So a combination of all those things, you know, built a lead funnel that basically outgrew the capital connections I had, which, you know, led for me or led me to, to needing to raise some money. But that's, you know, I placed a, a conscious focus on those few main areas. And in the multifamily space, you'll find that networking is like probably the greatest way to get the deals comparatively to, you know, the more transactional business of single family homes where one owner is probably just going to sell you one house in their lifetime. Whereas in the multifamily space, you might have an owner that's looking to sell a six unit building, but he's got another 80 units in his portfolio that he's looking to sell at some point. So I placed a focus on developing the connections with the people that had the buildings in my market. And then, you know, they called me when they wanted to sell. Nice. I think it's so smart. So smart. And that's just another reason we like multifamily as opposed to single family. And it's so true. The relationship component of, I mean, especially syndication business, every aspect of it is relationship and team, you know, business. But even that aspect, a lot of people don't see or think about that relationship as much, but it is the sellers. I mean, you're right. A lot of them have been in the business many, many years and they have numerous properties and they're not just going to sell this one you know, eventually they're going to sell all of them at some point in time. And so, you know, tell me a little more about how you, you could just created that relationship. What would that look like? I mean, I know you mentioned like sending an email, maybe going out to coffee or, you know, something like that. But, you know, how do you, is it like reaching out at once a month? Was it reaching out every week or six months or, you know, following back up? How did you finally bring up the property or how did you share with them that that's, you know, what you're into as well? So I tried to prioritize providing value at as many touch points as I could. And I'll try and explain that a little bit further. But when I'd initially reach out, something that I, I would do is I'd put together a newsletter for the marketplace that was multifamily focused. And it includes, I'm licensed, so I have access to the MLS. So I'd, I'd go on there and pull a lot of the data for multifamily sales in the area over the last quarter or over the last you know half a year, six months, whatever time frame. And I'd package that with some maybe key transaction or key events in the market you know, maybe there's a new 250 unit multifamily development, right? I think that's something that anyone who owns a multifamily, regardless of the size in that market might want to know about. So I started pooling information that I as an owner might find helpful. So when I'd initially reach out, I'd attach that newsletter. And at least now it's not completely salesy in terms of the message, right? There's some value being sent, you know, I'm making it known that I want to buy and I'm making it known that I'm interested in building a relationship rather than I'm just rifling out emails or, you know, messages to, you know, Craigslist for rent ads or something like that. Basically, I, every time I reached out, I wanted to bring some value. And then after that, I basically put all the contacts I had in the marketplace into a CRM and the addresses of the properties that I knew they, they owned. And basically, I'd give myself reminders every three to six months, you know, reach out to this person. You know, they own this property on, you know, one, two, three Main Street. I try and do some research to see, hey, maybe there's something that's sold that's a similar type of building to the one that they own. And, 
you know, maybe they'd be interested in knowing what the new comp was in the area or something like that. Basically, I did a lot of things that brokers do, but I basically, you know, applied it as a buyer rather than as a broker. So I tried to reach out, provide value as much as I can. And I think that's not something that a lot of people do. So when I did do that, it's, you know, and it's another reason to just reach out and gives you another reason to stay in touch with people. So that was really the big thing I did in terms of building those relationships more so than just, you know, completely cold outreach that where it's hard to build something off of that. You think those techniques you learned from getting your license or, you know, how did you really pull some of that stuff to, or where'd you pull it from? You know, how did you learn to do some of that? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it was really just, you know, brainstorming how can I differentiate myself from all of the people that are contacting these owners looking to buy their property. You know, when you do, when you're looking at direct mail, I mean, that's a conversation a lot of people have. How can I tailor my direct mail message so that it stands out amongst all the other pieces of mail that, you know, even in the single family space, you know, that's something that flippers are always thinking about or wholesalers, right? And in the multifamily space, I mean, these folks are still getting mail and they're still getting, you know, they're still getting contacted quite a bit to buy their property, especially those that, you know, have owned it for a long time, maybe have a mortgage with a low balance, like they're on a lot of lists. So I try to think, you know, what can I provide them that's going to make me stand out and something that's easy to put together and then I can, you know, do so in a scalable fashion. So, you know, a quarterly newsletter, that's a really easy thing to do. You spend 10 hours a quarter building it out, you know, run some data, you know, grab some of the key events in the marketplace, throw it on a, you know, one page Microsoft Word, you know, convert it to a PDF. There you go. Now you have something to attach to emails. So it really came from what can I bring on the initial touch point that's different than what everyone else is doing. And I kind of just worked backwards into what would I want to see as an owner, right? If someone was reaching out to me trying to buy my property, like what would make me click their email? What would make me look at their direct mail? You know, probably a newsletter that's included. No one's doing that in direct mail, right? Because it takes more effort and it's not as scalable. I basically worked backwards into what would I respond to. So I know you are also into content creation and I'd love to hear like, you know, why, why content creation, you know, where's your company, you know, Brickleaf Properties, where are you headed and how's content creation helping or coming into that? What's your plans for the future? Sure. So similar to, you know, putting together newsletters to actually give to a multifamily owner, I think it's important to provide value just across the board. You know, this is multifamily real estate, when you're in it, it starts to seem like a crowded space, you know, from the outside, it may not look so crowded, but when you're in it and you're all chasing after the same properties, you have to figure out a way to differentiate yourself. And like we talked about earlier in the show, networking and relationship building is, you know, probably the most important determining factor if if you're going to be successful in this business or not, you know, if you're going to get the deals, if you're going to raise the money. So I tried to think about how can I do that in a more scalable fashion rather than spending 30 minutes on the phone, you know, three, four times a week with someone, right? That's, that's hard to scale. And, you know, using social media, building an email list of folks that I'd like to know, starting a podcast, that's all a great way to get people that maybe you didn't have access to, you know, on the phone, or, you know, maybe you would have access to the other people, but you wouldn't have the time to speak to them all at the same time. So for me being, you know, passively discussing real estate with folks is important. And, you know, for example, posting on LinkedIn, right? If you post on LinkedIn once every couple of weeks, you're doing more than 90% of the people in the real estate business are doing. And if you're connected with the right people, you know, they're just going to see your name come up on their feed. Maybe they don't have anything to sell you right now. Maybe they, you know, they're a broker. They don't have any deals to send you right now. Maybe if they're a seller, maybe they don't want to sell their portfolio or one of their buildings right now. But at some point they're going to remember, right? Because you're passively in the back of your head and you're top of mind that you are someone that they need to speak to. 
So for me, that was, it basically was the question of how do I grow my network in the most efficient way and creating content and distributing it in a scalable manner. And that's, you know, social media through Instagram, through LinkedIn, everything like that. That was the answer for me. So I, I started placing a priority on that and it's really changed my business for sure. What were, you know, a couple of pieces of content or types of content, I should say, that you were focused on and what was your goal with that? You know, what, what are you after by doing that? So one of the big things I did early on was basically catalog and document deals that I did. So I, you know, if I was buying a deal, I'd talk about why I was interested in buying it, what the numbers were, what our business plan was, you know, maybe it was a deal that was already completed. I talk about the same things, but I talk about the end result, you know, so basically I wanted to catalog deals and distribute it in a way that other people could look at it and say, Hey, I want to be involved in a deal like that. Or I want to work with someone who's doing deals like that. So it was really just an easier way to to gain access to capital is really what it was. And again, right all the way back to the first point in the show, documenting what you're doing is really important because it helps to build trust in an easy way because not a lot of people do it. So that was really goal one was let's talk about the deals I'm doing. Let's talk about the, you know, whether they were equity investors or debt investors, you know, what their returns were, what their participation looked like. And, you know, it's not asking for money. It's not a post saying, Hey, if you want to work with me, you know, shoot me a message. If you want to earn, you know, 18% on your money, shoot me a message. It's basically saying, Hey, this is what we do when we raise money. And it organically causes people to reach out to you. So that was goal one. And the other goal was anything that could build authority in the marketplace. So, you know, I, there was a post I did on Instagram that went semi-viral, you know, however you define that, but it was, it did better than the other ones I posted. So I'll, I'll call it viral. <laughs> and it was basically, you know, these are the 10 things we did to this property that added value. And I talked about the unit renovations we did down to the material, down to the exact cost, down to the exact rent premiums they achieved talked about how we reconfigured floor plans to add square footage to the kitchen and how that now comps us out with a different rental grade unit in our marketplace and just really tore into what we did at a meticulous level. And someone who's looking at that's going to say, okay, this, you know, from afar, this operator seems like they know what they're doing, right? You know, when it comes time for me to maybe want to invest some money into real estate, that's someone it seems like I should talk to. And that's kind of the lens I, I took. So adding value without expecting anything in return is really the key in terms of a lot of the content that, that I create. And then just documenting what I'm doing to make it easier to talk to people about raising money or, or finding deals. What's been the hardest part of this real estate journey for you? That's a good question. For me, it was a lot of mindset stuff. I found myself hanging out in the same you know space for too long, I think. You know, I I only looked at two to four unit multifamilies for, you know, two and a half years. And I look back, I'm like, there was no reason I couldn't have done a bigger deal than that. But a lot of it was, I had a tough mindset when it came to raising equity specifically. Private debt was easy to, to find. But as it related to raising equity, that was the tougher piece of the equation. Because in my mind, I said, who wants to leave their money in a deal for five to seven years? That was a question that I had a hard time grappling with. And it wasn't until I started talking to the right people that were raising that kind of money and actually just talking with a lot of investors that invested in real estate who basically said that, you know, the time horizon is irrelevant. We're, we care about good risk adjusted returns. You know, we want our money in real estate. We, we don't need it back at any point in time. Basically, that was the limiting belief I had was who wants to invest money actually in a deal where they don't have a set exit usually within a year. So that was, that was a tougher part. So it, it made raising money harder for me early on in terms of raising equity. That's since something that I've gone over as I've spoken to so many people who are like, we invest way more money in real estate if the deals are there. So 
So that was probably the toughest thing I dealt with early on. I appreciate you just saying that because that that is it's I mean mindset is so crucial. I was just thinking about it during the show too. I mean it's, that was a big change for me. I know I contribute some of that to military and law enforcement training and just you know the mindset to keep pushing forward and all all that. But it's so it's so difficult to get past you know and whether it's just changing your vision like you said from three to four units to uh, you know really believing you can do something larger than that or just being willing to get kicked in the face and be able to keep getting back up right you know and keep going so what's a way that you've recently improved your business that we could all also apply to our business so my portfolio consists of a lot of smaller buildings a lot of buildings that are 3 to 10 units in aggregate you know it's it's a more sizable portfolio, but it's harder to manage than, you know, one 15 unit apartment complex or something like that. So something that I've really had to focus on doing is maintaining a good handle on the operational side of the business as like on an ongoing basis. So something that I've recently done is bi-monthly kind of portfolio assessments where every two months I go and look at every property I have and I just look at the expense ratios. I look at what the rental income is. I look at, you know, well, where the actual money is going in terms of the expenses and I try and find anomalies throughout the portfolio on a more consistent basis. Previously, I, I got a little lackadaisical with that. I'd look at it maybe quarterly or semi-annually. I'd look at it on a monthly basis, but I wouldn't really, really look at it. And now I catch things faster. Now there's, you know, when units are lagging behind market rent and my property manager, you know, maybe they renewed a lease without a rent increase eight months ago and we're looking at another lease expiration in a few months. I have better plans for a lot of that stuff. And I also look to where we can spend money in the portfolio that's going to drive better ROI. So I think as real estate investors, we look at, you know, what's the return of my money on it as it relates to a new investment, buying a new building, you know, investing in, in a new syndication or something like that. Whereas we don't look as often within our own portfolio as to, can I spend five grand within this asset and what kind of return am I going to get on that? So, you know, for example, like something that I've recently started doing is, spending more money in our common areas in the buildings that we own. You know, usually we'd make them nice, we'd paint them, we'd, we'd replace, you know, windows or something like that. But we've recently started putting in like, you know, new LVT flooring in our common areas. And we think that gets better rent increases through every unit in the building. You know, that's just one example, but it's somewhere to spend four or five, 6,000 bucks and actually see a payback on that in a couple of years, which is just going to be a better return than going out and buying a new property typically. So that's something that, has you know changed my business the last 12 months is looking inside of the portfolio rather than out of it to find the best ROI you know on the cash that we have available. What's your best source for meeting new investors right now? I mean RIAs have always been the, the best for me as it's, it's funny that, yeah real estate investing meetups that's how I met most of my you know network early on as you start to do bigger and bigger deals you have to find new groups to join so I'm you know I'm constantly trying to find groups of individuals that are playing at a higher level than me. I still think that's the best way to network and, you know, being active on social media is actually a great way to grow your network, whether it's LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram, or whatever it is. And that's how I've been meeting a lot of investors, you know, outside of my market too, which has been beneficial for me. So, you know, social media, RIA meetups, I think those have been the best. And I would say the email prospecting that I did with the goal of finding properties was also extremely helpful in terms of growing a network because, just putting myself in front of all the folks in my marketplace that are doing the business. And that actually has helped grow my network quite a bit. What's the number one thing that's contributed to your success? Prioritizing consistency and blending that with patience. <laughs> so, 
identifying the things that move the needle and just doing them for a long time without expecting any results. I mean, this is like a business where it's going to take you a year and a half to see any results that are going to change your life. Probably. If you do it faster than that, great. Like that's the exception. That's not the norm. So really understanding that as I do all the things that I do on a daily basis or did to really get the business off the ground initially was I think really key. Yeah. And just identifying what moves the needle and doing it every day. I think it's as simple as that. Consistency and patience. No doubt about it. That's my story right there (laughs) in two words. So how do you like to give back? So I, I try and provide as much free real estate content as I can on social media, help people get ahead. I try and be as generous with my time as I can. I love to just speak with investors regardless of where you're at in your journey and talk about, you know, how you can get ahead. In our local market, there's a number of groups that are really trying to turn around some of the lower income areas in the city where a lot of real estate investors invest. So I try and be, you know, generous with my time as it relates to that and donate to a lot of those groups too. You know, the local, Manchester, New Hampshire is the market where I invest. I grew up, you know, just 15 minutes south of that. And it's historically been a rougher area comparatively to the rest of the state of New Hampshire, which is a small market itself. But it's recently been becoming a really nice area to live. And I think there's a lot of pride of ownership, especially with the folks living there and, and investing there. So that's something that I, you know, that I take some pride in. Axel, it's been a pleasure to get to know you a little bit and hear about your story. I know there's many listeners that can relate as well. I know I can as well. And I appreciate you just bringing up the mindset and the consistency and patience. I mean, this just goes a long way if you can have those things in order. Tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you. Absolutely. So you can find me on Instagram at Multifamily Wealth, or you can just search my name. I'm, I'm sure it'll come up. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Again, search my name. It's pretty unique. There's not too many Axel Ragnarsons out there. And then I also host a multifamily focused podcast called the Multifamily Wealth Podcast. So any of those avenues is, is probably going to be the best to reach me. Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I would love it if you would go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. I want to hear your feedback. It makes a big difference in getting the podcast out there. You can also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook so you can connect with me and we can also receive feedback and your questions there that you want me to answer on the show. Subscribe too so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, I want to keep you updated. So head over to lifebridgecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with me, sign up on the contact us page so you can talk to me directly. Have a blessed day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.